The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by U.S. Bank, the power of possible. Learn more at usbank.com newsroom. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, August 9th. In today's news, President Trump's family separation policy did not deter illegal immigration. The State Department imposes new sanctions on Russia. And White House aides worry the trade war with China is escalating out of control. But first, the big idea. The first member of Congress to endorse Donald Trump allegedly committed felony insider trading while standing on the White House lawn. One of Trump's mantras as a candidate was drain the swamp a pledge to clear Washington of corruption. Chris Collins, who represents Buffalo in the House, used to join Trump in leading those chants during rallies. He was the first lawmaker to endorse the president. We in Western New York know Donald Trump is not merely a candidate. Donald Trump is a movement. But the swamp keeps getting swampier. And Collins has become just the latest figure in Trump's orbit to get ensnared in a serious criminal investigation. As Trump's former deputy campaign manager Rick Gates testified against his former campaign chairman Paul Manafort at a federal courthouse in Virginia, Collins turned himself into the FBI yesterday to be arraigned on charges of insider trading and lying to federal agents. Collins was at the congressional picnic at the White House in the summer of 2017 when he got word that innate immunotherapeutics had received bad news about an important drug trial. The congressman was on the board of directors of this Australian biotechnology company. He immediately replied to the CEO in an email and said, quote, wow, makes no sense. How are these results even possible? Here's U.S. Attorney Jeffrey Berman unveiling the charges at a news conference in New York City. But he didn't keep it secret. Instead, as alleged, he decided to commit a crime. He placed his family and friends above the public good. Phone records show that Collins then frantically attempted to reach his son, Cameron Collins, whom he allegedly tipped off to the confidential corporate information before it would be made public. He also apparently texted his son about it. The son then alerted his girlfriend's dad, Stephen Zarsky, she's now his fiance and other friends who had invested at the company when he advised them to. The feds say all of these people were able to use that information to avoid more than $700,000 in losses. Once the news went public, the company's stock fell more than 90%. Here's the U.S. attorney again. But Congressman Collins couldn't keep his crime a secret forever. The FBI asked to interview him, and instead of telling the truth, he lied. And so did Cameron Collins, and so did Steven Zarsky. By lying to the FBI, they compounded their insider trading crime with the crime of criminal cover-up. The 30-page indictment and a separate 22-page complaint from the Securities and Exchange Commission, which has additional detail, are gripping in their granularity. They lay out a textbook case of insider trading and portray Collins and his son as exceedingly amateurish in their alleged criminality. They just weren't at all sophisticated in how they went about this. And the government always looks at people who unload their positions in a company right before really bad information tanks the stock. The 68-year-old congressman could face up to 150 years in prison 
if he's convicted on all these charges. He pleaded not guilty and announced at a news conference in Buffalo last night that he still plans to run for re-election this November. The charges that have been levied against me are meritless, and I will mount a vigorous defense in court to clear my name. His decision to run puts another House seat that should be safely Republican in play. Collins may get re-elected. Others have when they're facing felony charges. But it will be much harder, especially in this political environment. The Cook political report moved the race from solid to likely Republican. Paul Ryan, meanwhile, swiftly removed Collins from the very powerful Energy and Commerce Committee after the indictment yesterday. The Ethics Committee in the House was already investigating Collins as well, and the Speaker encouraged them to take a thorough look at these latest allegations. The bigger picture is that this creates an opening for Democrats to run against what Nancy Pelosi is already calling a culture of corruption in Trump's Washington. She used that same phrase, culture of corruption, to run against Republicans in 2006 when they last won the majority. She and other leaders will hold an event today to propose a package of ethics reforms. They promise to make it a centerpiece of their fall campaign. Collins joins a growing list of Trump people who have been accused of ethical transgressions including multiple members of the cabinet, from former Health and Human Services Secretary Tom Price to ousted EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt, Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke, and the Budget Director Mick Mulvaney, who confessed during a speech to banking lobbyists that when he was a congressman, he only met with lobbyists who gave money to his campaigns. That's not to mention that Trump's former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn and a former foreign policy advisor on his campaign, George Papadopoulos, have pleaded guilty to felonies. The members of the cabinet deny doing anything wrong, but the growing volume of allegations only adds fuel to the fire. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, illegal immigration has continued to surge in recent months despite Trump's so-called zero-tolerance immigration crackdown. The envisioned $25 billion that he wanted for his border wall remains unfunded by lawmakers deportations lag behind peak rates under Barack Obama. And illegal border crossings, which plummeted early in Trump's tenure, have spiked again. New government data released yesterday shows that the number of migrant families taken into custody along the southern border remained nearly unchanged from June to July. That indicates the administration's move to separate families did little to deter others from coming. More than 9,200 family members entered the country illegally in July, a number on par with the past several months. Overall, more families with children have arrived in the past 10 months than during any year Obama was president. Number two, the Trump administration announced plans to impose new sanctions on Russia for its nerve agent attack on ex-Russian spy Sergei Skripal and his daughter in Great Britain. A terse release from the State Department said the U.S. has determined conclusively that Moscow was responsible for the attack. The British concluded this months ago, and the administration has already said it accepted that. Under a 1991 U.S. law, Trump is required to act once the administration determines Russian responsibility for any chemical or biological weapons attack. The first round of sanctions required under the law, which is what's going into effect now, includes a prohibition of licenses on sending certain goods to Russia, such as electronic devices that could be used to make chemical weapons. This will have a limited impact because it replicates restrictions that are already on the books. But if Russia does not accept responsibility and agree to stop using chemical and biological weapons within 90 days, as well as letting UN monitors conduct inspections, which is unlikely, a second, much more punishing round of sanctions will kick in. 
This second round could cut off almost all trade between our two countries and may lead to the blockade of Aeroflot flights into the United States. That's the official Russian state airline. Number three, China announced on Wednesday that it will impose an additional $16 billion in retaliatory tariffs on U.S. auto and energy products because of Trump's latest bout of protectionism. Beijing signaled that it might next target prominent American companies like Apple to cause maximum pain. The iPhone maker relies upon China for one-fifth of its $229 billion in annual revenue. Trump administration efforts to force China into concessions have been complicated by the falling yuan, which has lost about 10% of its value against the dollar since April. By making Chinese products less expensive for American buyers, the weaker Chinese currency partially counteracts the effects of Trump's trade measures. Inside the administration, there is growing unease over where this U.S.-China tussle is headed, especially with the weaker yuan. Initial diplomatic talks to do something have failed, leaving both sides irritated and confused. Two senior administration officials tell us that they're growing increasingly nervous that the standoff is only going to get worse. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, August 9th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. Have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow.